0: topics discussed are for educational purposes only. Now welcome, Integrative Dietitians Allie Miller and her co-host Becky Yu. Welcome to episode
1: 299 of the Naturally Nourished podcast. Today we are talking all about vascular health and we will be covering the function of the vascular system, common conditions like Raynaud's, vasculitis, varicose veins, blood clots, and more and discussing natural ways to support our vascular health.
2: Yes. This is a topic that often comes up postpartum or in the perimenopausal transition time of age. We know hormones have a huge role with vascular function, and we'll talk about, of course, food as medicine strategy and supplementation to regulate vascular health. And we'll even be digging into blood clots, which we talked about a lot in this last year in constructs of pandemic and considerations post-vaccination. So we'll be covering all updates there before we get into the meat of today's episode, sharing that you have still one day if you're listening to this real time to take advantage of our detox pack flash sale, and you can still join us for our live detox class. We'll be doing two classes, so it's one purchase for $14.99. You're going to get on our Slack community, which is a community off of social media that allows you to share recipes, ask questions, troubleshoot your 10 day detox. You'll get the most updated ebook. And again, just for $14.99, you'll get two classes one on July 12th, and then a follow up class at the end of your 10 day de- detox talking about where to go next and how to maintain. Clean living in a dirty world uh, on 729. So, this is the 12th and 29th of July that we'll be offering our live classes for 10 day detox. We hope you'll join us. And if you're listening to this live, you have still one more day to get 18% off
1: your detox packs. Allie, I think the 29th is a typo on my part. It's actually the 26th. So they're both going to be on Tuesdays. So we'll kick you off. July
2: 12th and the 26th.
1: Exactly. And and the reason for that um, for listeners is we wanted to hit you kind of at the very beginning of your detox um, to set you up for success. Not everyone starts at the same time. So if you can't kick off exactly, you know, on the 12th, um, you have a couple days buffer and then the 26th will be kind of the wrap up troubleshooting kind of the final days of the detox and how to take it forward into real life, how to apply it. Um, a lot of people ask like, how frequent can I do this? So we'll address all of those things. Um, and those classes will be held on Zoom at 1.30 Central Standard Time.
2: Yes. And if you can't attend them live, still go ahead and purchase the live program and you can watch the videos as an archive stream. So definitely worth your value. You can use the code detox 2022. So like 2022 to get uh, the discount of 18% off of your detox uh, packs. And then also uh, go on over to alimillerrd.com where you can purchase both your detox packs, throw in your grass fed way to support your 10 day detox and grab
1: a spot in our live program. Okay, let's have a quick word for our opening sponsor for this episode, Fond Bone Broth.
2: Yes, so y'all know that we are big fans of Fond Bone Broth. They really make bone broth that is enjoyable as a sippable health elixir, really a fantastic replacement for your midday latte and a way with collagen and gelatin to also support your vascular health. So we'll talk in today's episode about the importance of our vascular system and our circulatory system and the integrity of those vessels require collagen and um, that's going to play a big role role with integrity or basically the health of the vessel tissue itself. Um, we know also that bone broth can be like a facelift for the gut, aiding in repairing leaky gut and reducing food sensitivities, as well as autoimmune activity and chronic inflammation. Um, we use bone broth as a tool within our 10-day detox, and we'll often squeeze in a three-day bone broth fast within that. So if you're doing a July detox, another reason to go on over to fondbonebroth.com slash Miller RD. Over there you'll see my favorite flavors which are really i've really been enjoying the nopalitos again that, that were in the summer which has cactus and um, cilantro and habanero pepper in there um, I've been loving that with carnitas and bright summer salads um, as something to kind of play with flavor profile and uh, warmer sauces or doing like a very herbaceous cilantro, fresh garlic with a little bit of that no palito broth. Um, and then I love their spring clean. I love all the different varieties of flavors. You can go on over to fondbonebroth.com slash rd, Use the code Rd at checkout and uh, make sure you get at least 6 glass jars to support your 10 day detox. And maybe you get a whole case to help you sip your way to wellness this whole summer.
1: Yes. And there is an option in that detox to do a bone broth fast. So that could be a really good supportive tool to just have your fond and be ready to rock. Easy peasy. One less thing to think about. Yeah. All right. Let's start today's episode off with just the most basic question. What exactly is the vascular system and what does it include?
2: So the vascular system is made up of the vessels that carry blood and lymph throughout the body. It is comprised of arteries and veins that are going to carry blood through the body, delivering oxygen and nutrients to the tissues of the body, while also working as a system to take away tissue waste matter. The lymph vessels carry lymphatic fluid, which is this clear, colorless fluid um, containing water, blood cells, and debris, essentially. The lymphatic system plays a role in protecting and maintaining the fluid in environment of our body by filtering and draining lymph away from the regions of the body. And as we've covered in a recent episode on all about the lymphatic system, of course, the lymphatic system gets taxed when we have higher toxicity. So good connection with the upcoming 10-day detox there. Um, But the vessels of our circulatory or vascular system are our arteries, which are our blood vessels that are going to carry oxygenated blood away from the heart to the body, our veins, which are our blood vessels that carry blood from the body back into the heart, and then our capillaries, which are these tiny vessels that will be between the arteries and the veins, and they're going to distribute the oxygen-rich, nutrient-rich blood throughout the body.
1: And that episode was two ninety eight actually that we did on on lymph. Just, so la- you're just last week, two in a row about these different body systems, and you'll see there is some overlap obviously between you know what we've talked about um, in that past episode about lymph and and vascular health.
2: And today. I think in the world of arteries, in our most recent heart health episode, mm-hmm. we got a yeah, pretty yeah. deep dive about the actual you know lub dub the the pump and the function of the cardiovascular muscle and vascular system. So that'd be worth linking as yes, well to give we'll you a do. little overhaul there.
1: We'll do. Um, And let's talk about kind of some of the other systems or or some of the other functions of of the vascular system and how it ties in like with our respiratory system, with our digestion, with the kidneys. Sure.
2: So, you know, in addition to circulating both blood and lymph throughout the body, the vascular system is going to play a component in many systems of our body. So in our respiratory system... Um, Again, this is going to play that role in that oxygen and carbon dioxide exchange. So as blood flows through the capillaries in the lungs, the carbon dioxide is given up and the oxygen is picked up. So release of carbon dioxide, exchange for oxygen-rich blood, Um, and then that carbon dioxide is going to be expelled through the respiratory system, expelled out through the lungs, and the oxygen that is inhaled is going to be taken up um, by the blood and carried to bodily tissues. In the digestive tract, also as our food is being digested, we require our vascular flow to aid in nutrient absorptions. There's this gut-blood barrier, and our blood flows through our intestinal capillary, and this is where our nutrients are going to be picked up from the food that we eat. Um, We're going to get our vitamins, minerals, even glucose delivery through there. And that's what then is going to, through that gut-blood barrier, deliver circulatory all the nutrients to the liver to process and then deliver throughout the tissues of the body. In our urinary system and our kidneys, we know that there is the exchange of waste. We think of the kidneys as a primary detoxifying gland. So waste materials from the tissue are going to be filtered out through the blood, um, through the kidneys and then excreted in the form of the urine. So there's that vascular exchange and dump off through the urine. And then even in temperature control – so our regulation of our body temperature is going to be assisted by our blood flow. In fact, we know that heat is going to play a big role in vasodilation, and then we know that cold plays a role in vasoconstriction, and heat will be produced by our body's tissues as they go through the process of breaking down nutrients for energy, making new tissue, or giving up waste matter. So there's this metabolic activity, which is going to create the thermogenesis, temperature impact requiring the vascular system as a tool of function okay
1: so this system is really kind of tied in all throughout the body and we know that we have veins arteries capillaries like kind of everywhere we can right? see them. Yeah, um, we can see them and and um, that also means that there's kind of a lot of opportunity for things to go Go awry. Mm -hmm. Um, So let's talk about just kind of broad stroke, what is vascular disease in general, and then we'll get into some of the specific conditions of concern.
2: Sure, so now that we kind of understand the function, we think of this structural functional element and vascular disease is gonna be really any condition that's gonna affect the network of your blood vessels, excuse me, interfering with their function. So this um, circulatory system can be impacted by various mechanisms. It can be impacted even on those handoff mechanisms. So we're talking about, again, the cardiovascular system, the respiratory system. Um, We know that as the vessels move Blood, Um, they're going to require these secondary systems to play a role in the exchange, detoxification, etc.
1: Got it. Um, Let's cover maybe some of the vascular disease causes and and risk. And fun fact there that I just noticed in our our show notes um, that if you were to take all of your vessels and all of those arteries and capillaries we mentioned, you could stretch them out and circle the earth like multiple. Times, which is kind of amazing. Incredible. (laughs) Yeah. Really, really incredible. Yes. Um, But let's talk just again broad about some of the um, causes of vascular disease and, and some of the risk factors as well.
2: Sure. So we think of causes, of course, trauma or injury would be a very dynamic one. So if there is an injury to the vessel, maybe the vessel's been severed through a cut or been um, completely um, compacted from trauma of, let's say, car accident or something like that. Um, we know that inflammation in general can cause vasculitis, itis again, inflammation of. So any vascular inflammation um, can be seen if there is inflammation in the body. Um, we know that we can see issues with ischemia, which would be basically cutting off the blood flow to tissues in the body. Um, and this could be secondary to a structural issue with the vessels, um, or there could be a blockage in a blood vessel that could be caused by debris, so an ambulus, Um um, or thrombus, um, we hear of often deep vein thrombosis, mm-hmm. which we'll talk about later as a blood clot affecting disorder. And then atherosclerosis or atherosclerosis, atherosclerotic plaque or plaque buildup in the arteries would be another mechanism of action of interfering with function of blood flow. When we're looking at risk factors for all of these, we can see blood sugar to be a huge one as we're connecting also with heart disease again. Diabetes and mismanaged blood sugar will create arterial vascular damage. And so those elevations of blood sugar are very abrasive and can kind of wear and tear at the tissue lining. And that can create arterial injury, which can create then that demand for that plaque formation in the repair process. Uh, Family history of vascular disease, especially anything in the cardiovascular world, so history of stroke or heart attack would also extend there. Um, We do know that men are at a higher risk than women, generally speaking. So gender can play a role as far as a risk factor. Elevated blood pressure would be a risk factor because you're stressing those vessels. Uh, Elevated um, or mismanaged lipids. So if we have elevated LDL, especially that small dense particle size or triglyceride levels, this can interfere with vascular health. Uh, lack of physical activity and sedentary lifestyle. So this would compress and impact the tone of our vascular system. And then kind of goes in hand with that obesity and being overweight Uh, smoking creating oxidative stress and depleting antioxidant status and actually that oxidative stress aging the vessels if you will or damaging the vessels with free radical exposure and then even emotional mental stress can cause vascular conditions as well
1: totally um and certainly we can have an overlap of of multiple of those and i will say on the gender thing um there are certain vascular conditions that women are more susceptible to like the varicose veins yes especially um, there's a hormonal component and then there's a component, um, you know, after carrying a child or while carrying a child, that compression. Um, so we'll get into kind of those specifics as well. Um, let's maybe start by covering just some of the most common vascular conditions, um, starting with aneurysms. So we'll start kind of a little more on like the scary <laughs> side of things
2: yeah so an aneurysm is going to be a bulge in the wall of a blood vessel Um, most often is going to be seen in the aorta which is the main blood vessel leaving your heart so an aortic aneurysm in the chest is um, going to be in this thoracic cavity um, or in the belly where it can be called an abdominal um, aneurysm and aneurysms generally can pose no threat um, but they can put you at risk for tissue damage around that aneurysm because this bulge is going to be like a stretching or a pressure mm-hmm. on that vessel. And um, plaque deposits can be seen built up around this area. We can see a clot that can um, break off and get stuck somewhere else. This can be the biggest area of concern, of course. And then um, an aneurysm can get bigger and press or cause pain um, or compression on other organs, impacting other organ function. Um, And generally speaking, when we're talking about the aneurysm area in the body, it's going to be The artery wall that gets stretched thin and this fragile stretching like a balloon bulge. Again, the the consideration is that this under stress could also rupture. And that's where if it's an aortic aneurysm, this could be deadly and this could be a a driving cause of Mortality with heart disease. Okay,
1: um, and we'll get more into specifics of like prevention of this because there's a lot of overlap um, within just you know keeping those vessels healthy Tone. within mm-hmm. preventing you know the blood clots that could pose more of a problem if there's already an aneurysm present or um, you know rupturing those vessels, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, and atherosclerosis and... and I know it's always such yeah, a fun it one It to is say it. hard to Atherosclerotic say. Atherosclerotic plaque. You guys say it. Um, you can say it three times fast. Um, and peripheral artery disease kind of um, would be the, the next area of focus. Although we covered atherosclerosis pretty extensively, I think, in that heart health episode.
2: Yes. So we will link that. But if we're talking about, yes, plaque buildup in the body or peripheral artery concerns... Um, We're looking at arteries that again carry blood to in the coronary artery world to the heart muscle or in the peripheral to other tissues and organs throughout the body. And when we do have plaque buildup in these vessels, that plaque can narrow the vessel and that can make it more um, constricted or restricted, difficult for blood to flow. Also, this plaque could rupture, creating a, a block to blood flow completely. So um, the narrowing of the vessel, the reduced function, and the blockages that can be seen can be a driver of angina or chest pain as well as heart attack. Um, We know that this can lead to even a TIA, a transient ischemic attack, which is also known as a mini stroke. Mm -hmm. If it's the the carotid arteries that supply the brain, Um, a blockage in the kidneys could interfere, of course, with blood pressure as well as cardiovascular and detoxification mechanisms in the body. A blockage in the leg could cause leg pain or cramps when active. Um, It could even cause an impact such as ulceration or a chronic fatigue sensation in the legs. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, the biggest concern is that vascular flow gets completely cut off or that a clot dislodges as far as a mortality or an actual risk factor for death. Okay.
1: Um, So let's talk a little more then about clots in general, so clots that form. Inner veins, um, Mm -hmm. and then we'll go into like the specific types.
2: Yeah, so a blood clot is generally going to be in a vein inside of a muscle, usually in the lower leg, thigh, or pelvis, and this would be the deep vein thrombosis or a DVT. Um, And a clot, again, can break loose and travel to the lungs. Um, That would be a pulmonary embolism. And this is something that we saw a high risk factor associated with clotting factor of spike protein, Uh both through natural infection with COVID as well as through vaccination. Um, And so this is a big area that we talked about a lot with inflammation. we'll get there today, of course, on what you can do to prevent clots. But that was why that became such a big um, awareness over this last couple of years. Uh, When we're talking about blood clots um, in general, um, we can see causes as a damage to a valve in a vein. We can see um, genetic disorders that would make us more likely to suffer from blood clots. Mm -hmm. We can see a stressor, like infection or, again, vaccination being a cause factor. Um, We can see impact on our hormones. Um, We know that estrogen from pregnancy and birth control pills increases blood clot risk. That's why birth control actually has that a right. disclaimer on the label. Yep. Um, we know um, having a longer bed rest or not being able to move much would be a risk factor. In fact, I had shared um, post my emergency C-section, you know, they wanted to put me on um, Levenox, um a blood mm-hmm. thinner, and there was a high conflict of um, use after having a regional <laughs> um, spinal um Um, anesthesia as a big risk factor for a a brain bleed out. And so I was like, no. So instead, I'll just let you guys keep those compression legs on.
1: (laughs) And what's scary is that seems like that's their normal protocol and you're probably the first person to challenge Drew it, it to their
2: attention and they and were like, like well oh. you don't want the noise of the compression socks oh no i'd like, rather
1: have the noise sh- than sh- the brain bleed
2: right exactly it's like if i had to choose i would choose oh the risk gosh. factor of noise uh-huh yes i'm not sleeping anyway no um yeah so but but bed rest so we also think of this like when i'm advising um patients that are flying overseas yeah i'll always have yeah. them actually increase their omega-3s yep. and i often will tell them to do stretching and walking in the aisles yeah, yeah like every hour getting up you know yep. Flying, long flights are because of that bed rest or not being able to move, a big risk factor for clots. Sure. Um, And then, you know, surgeries in general, especially if in the area of hips or legs, um, would be another area of a higher risk factor, especially for a DVT in that that specific area
1: of the body. Yes. Um, And so we covered a little more on the um, clotting connection with um, both COVID and the vaccine um, in episode 276. I'll go ahead and link that for you guys, because we touched on some of the things you can do to prevent, um, again, the, whether it's natural infection or um, injection um, where you're getting the spike proteins, but to decrease the likelihood of, of blood clots there.
2: Yes. We talked about neutralizing spike protein, detoxifying mm-hmm. or eliminating spike protein and interfering with binding of yes. spike protein. Yep. So I think that's all really important and very relevant. Yeah.
1: Um, And then there are some certain disorders before we get into specifics of like how to break down clots and and thin the blood naturally, Um, but certain disorders that can make you more likely to form clots. And these might be um, the patients that are on like the blood thinners.
2: Yeah, so, I mean, there are, like I said, genetic tendencies and there are biomarkers that we can mm-hmm. assess. So we would look at clot-forming substances in the blood like fibrinogen, factor eight, and prothrombin. Um, these would be if elevated factors of coagulation or clot formation. Um, there can also be individuals that run low with blood um, clotting factors, or they maybe on the other end of the spectrum don't have enough of the blood thinning or anticoagulant proteins, this would also make them more prone towards blood clot formation. Um, So this would be individuals that are running low with antithrombin and protein C and protein S. There's also individuals that have a difficult time breaking down fibrin. So fibrin would build up in the body and that's the protein mesh that holds clots together essentially. Um, And then individuals that have damage to the endothelium, again, elevated blood sugar as a huge risk factor and smokers will be more prone towards endothelial damage. um, But this is damage to the lining of the blood vessels as a risk factor as well.
1: Um, and then there are also like more rare diseases like this Berger's disease that can cause, um, more propensity toward, um, clots forming in the arms and the legs. Okay. Yes. Um, and since we just covered a lot of information on blood clots let's let's um, talk preventative health for a second um, both in terms of the lifestyle components and then let's throw in some supplement interventions as well
2: yes so the first one that we really want to focus on is staying active so you know that whole idea of sitting being the new smoking we really want to make a point of getting up every 30 minutes to one hour um, so really not sitting for longer than an hour period of time uh, because that's going to create your blood to pool which can lead to clot risk so getting up stretching and getting your blood flowing incorporating regular exercise um, so at least 30 minutes a day of walking for circulation would be key Um, Weight loss would be huge, again, because obesity would be a big risk factor for blood clots. And we know that um, when we're losing weight, and especially when we're controlling carbohydrates and keeping blood sugar in check, that that lowers those triglycerides, which were an independent factor in blood clot formation as well. Um, So this would be a big way to also reduce the pressure to the veins and vessels. We know often with weight loss, that blood pressure goes down as well, and people are able to get off blood pressure medication and such so that in its sense would also lower a clot factor Um, The CDC even calls out risk factor of travel, as we've already discussed, Um, and they note that whether it's air, car, bus, or train, anyone traveling for more than four hours are at a risk for blood clots. So especially those of you that are traveling for business, making sure that you are taking time to pull over, you know, um, maybe at a rest stop, do some stretches and some movement. Um, Again, calf raises and things, great way to mix things up, even if having to do any aisle of an airplane. Yeah. Yep. Um, maintaining hydration also, we think of this because if we're dehydrated, the vessels have to work harder. Um, and so when we're staying hydrated, this is going to play a really big role in helping that vascular function. Um, we also are thinking of even just positioning, like moving our, um, feet, um, raising our feet up when sleeping versus keeping our feet down, like in a seated position. Um, that's really important to ensure that we're preventing clot formation. So even like elevating the legs up the wall, if you had a long day of sitting just to get that lymphatic drainage and support that vascular flow.
1: And then, um, we'd want to know, you know, what signs to look out for, especially if we are Taking that extended travel, that was always like back of my mind Um, whenever we used Mm -hmm. to fly like 12 hour flights, like blood clot signs. Um, So let's cover just some of kind of the warning signs there.
2: Sure. So swelling, redness, pain, uh, difficulty breathing or painful breathing, that would usually be associated with more of like a pulmonary mm-hmm. embolism, uh, lightheadedness or an increased heartbeat, chest pain, weakness or numbness in the face, arm, or leg, um, and then any neurological oddities like difficulty speaking and even vision changes sure. can be observed during time of a blood clot. Yeah.
1: And then one of our our big recommendations um, would be our EPA DHA extra or taking a high quality omega 3 supplement here because we know that can help to thin the blood right absolutely so omega-3s are going to be fabulous
2: in multiple mechanisms they both will thin the blood and prevent platelet aggregation or stickiness factor in the blood they also aid in the elasticity of our vessels and reduce inflammation which again inflammation was its own independent risk factor for vasculitis or inflammation of the vascular system. Uh, There was a new study that looked at a pretty sizable population of 23,500 individuals um, from age range of 25 all the way up to 97 years of age. And they looked at a high intake of fish associating with a reduced risk of developing a venous blood clot or a thromboembolism. And they saw individuals that ate fish at least three times per week had a 22% lower risk of developing venous thrombosis compared to those that ate it one um, time or less per week.
1: And then when they added a fish oil onto that three times a week, um, that percentage jumped up to 48% reduced risk compared to those who just ate fish or and didn't supplement with fish oil at all. So yeah. pretty strong.
2: So from 22% in the food as medicine yep. and then 48% layering in that omega-3 compound. Yep. Um, so I think that that's definitely one to, and that's a strong thing to consider. And that's where with travel days, again, I'll double up um, and recommend clients to take two extra EPA, DHA extra. And as you're listening to this, note also that we have our EPA, DHA liquid available. And so this provides Flexible dosing throughout all age ranges. So the EPA DHA extra capsules are quite large as far as a gel capsule is concerned and um, could be difficult to swallow with aging parents um, or could be, of course, difficult to swallow for littles. And our EPA DHA liquid is able to be dosed all the way from infants all the way through the elderly population. So this allows option of like um, various amount of half ml versus a full ml. Um, We have dosage on the website based on body weight to support optimal outcomes. So we're talking about cognitive function or prevention of Alzheimer's dementia we're talking about growth development and regulating inflammation as well as of course vascular support
1: yes and and our fish oil is stella and noah approved Mm -hmm. um, and we've of course tasted it as well Um, so it's got kind of a lemon flavor that covers up any you know potential fishiness you just kind of shoot it back and Take a sip of water. Super afterward. easy. Yep. 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 Super easy. But that's another one that, again, you could increase on your children on flight days as well. Totally. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Inflamazime is the other big one that I think of um, with clot formation, with plaque formation, kind of a lot of the things we've already covered and talked about
2: yeah and that's because this has the proteolytic enzymes so different than digestive enzymes which we would take prior to meals proteolytic enzymes are going to play a big role in aiding with tissue inflammation and tissue repair and optimizing tissue function so we use the inflammazyme if we're dealing with fibroids or if we're dealing with buildup of um, plaque like Becky said or if we're dealing with a recovery from an injury, but especially in this vascular space, um, the fibrolinic enzymes are really involved in degrading fibrin clocks, um, and they can either catalyze fibrin um, and This plays a role with the degradation process, or they can even transform the inactive plasminogen into active plasmin, and this actually reestablishes a normal blood vascular architecture. So on a functional structural level, the proteolytic enzymes play a key role, both again in preventing the clot formation and also in enhancing the vascular function and the tissue health. Um, So in here, the inflam enzyme uh, or Flamins' uh, pro- proprietary blend, and Flamins. And Flamins, uh-huh. sure. It's our proprietary <laughs> blend of Protease's ceratopeptidase, um, trypsin, and chemotrypsin. And those are the proteolytic enzymes. And then we also layer in botanical compounds. And this is what made it really powerful in our episode that we referenced just prior on Omicron because the botanicals, some of them actually have independent mechanisms within spike proteins. So for instance, the quercetin added into this formula or um, even the transresveratrol we've seen promising literature on as well as turmeric and Boswellia. So we have turmeric, boswellia, ginger, quercetin, rutin, rosemary, and transver- transresveratrol all in here within that suite of the proteolytic enzyme blend.
1: Yes. And the routine, um, I think when we get to varicose veins, um, there's some other research in that department. So this would be a really good Overarching supplement. Yes. Um probably started out at two capsules, you know, once daily, daily or twice daily. Yeah. Um, depending on your risk factor, right? Yeah. If it's just for preventative, like general health, maybe you kind of pulse that up as needed. Um, but if we're flying, like you mentioned, um, or if um, you know, going under a surgery, like if if, you know, planning for a surgery, this is one we mentioned in our pre and post-surgical protocol anyway to help with your recovery. Um, but I'm just thinking, you know, for this reason too, of, of, you know, if you're having to lay for a long period of time or, um, are going to be on some form of, of bed rest, um, or having, you know, a hip replacement or something like that, I think this could be really pulsed up and, um, used it like three three times daily.
2: Absolutely, and this is also a great formula for postpartum recovery. Yes. Oh, that was and, huge for me, and yep. it reduces pain. You yep. know, so not only is it a strong anti-inflammatory and tissue repair recovery, um, but especially we think surgery trauma, physiological stress to the body. That this is a really good. Uh, recovery formula for sure, totally. All
1: right, let's get to um, venous disease and and just varicose veins. I think is is one area that we get a lot of questions about. Um, you know whether it's just a cosmetic issue or is this actually telling me something is wrong in my body and do I need to do something about it.
2: Okay, so when we're talking about varicose veins, it's based on the mechanism of the valves within our veins. So unlike arteries, veins have flaps inside of them called valves. And when your muscles contract, the valves open and the blood moves through the tubes. When your muscles relax, the valves close and the blood flows only in one direction. Damaged valves might not close the way they should when the muscles relax. And this can allow blood flow in both directions or pooling or kind of buildup of blood. So we're not getting this close and release kind of pumping element of the valve. And this is what happens with varicose veins essentially. So they can bulge like purple ropes under the skin. Um, They can look like small red or purple like bursts if you will. Often like back of the calves Mm -hmm. or thighs. And um, spider veins will happen because of swollen small blood vessels, like the capillaries, yeah. actually being impacted in spider veins. The varicose veins are going to be an actual vein based on that that valve
1: activity. Got it. Um, and you can see, you know, aching in those areas, um, swelling in those areas, just feeling kind of more stiff, even like stinging in the areas of mm-hmm. of those bulges. Um, as we mentioned, women tend to get them. Um, more often than men, pregnancy being like one of the main mm-hmm. time stamps of, of life. And then they all also often will run, um, in families.
2: Yeah, and I would guesstimate that beyond the impact of the dynamic weight gain with pregnancy as being a primary stressor mm-hmm. and the hormone with the estrogen impact, that also some influence, I'm sure, from like elastin and some of the connective sure, tissue yeah, yeah, that relaxers, makes sense. Yep. that that probably plays a role with the disrupting this valve function in some totally. individuals, yep. and
1: that could be probably a, a component as well. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and, and so you know your treatment options, you're looking at more conservative, um, like compression, stockings, lifestyle changes to try to like reduce weight and, and kind of wear and tear there. Um, and then this is also where we see like ablation and, and surgery.
2: Mm-hmm. And and often what they're still doing as a main line of defense is some form of cauterization mm-hmm. where they're just basically cauterizing that vein um, because it's just pooling. It's right. not functional right. at it's that point. Working. Yep. Um, and so there's no like surgical replacement or rewiring. It's no. just kind of closing off um, an area that was collecting buildup, if you will. Yep.
1: And and you know, it's a minimally invasive a minimally invasive procedure. It's not like a lot of uh, downtime and, and we do often get asked about that. Like, should I do something? something about it. And I think if you are experiencing pain, pain or loss of function that mm-hmm. you know it's it's worth looking into.
2: Yep. Yeah. And I mean what makes them maybe not sightly right. um or stand out more is that the varicose veins are going to be more blue. Sure. Because yeah. they hold deoxygenated blood, right? And so this will be seen, you know, especially when we aren't tan, <laughs> um, you know, showing again in areas of the legs like if we're trying to wear shorts early in the summer. Mm-hmm. That's where people kind of think of them as being more unsightly. Um, but you know again big thing is if they're causing pain that would
1: be of a higher consideration to bring on an intervention sure um and yeah let's let's cover that so are they something serious are they a sign of like something getting worse um or um something for us to worry about if they're not causing us pain
2: well, the amount of blood that pools in the vein is really small mm-hmm. again and and you know, most of the blood is still being sent back to the heart, so they generally don't contribute to more serious health problems. Um it's more so seen as a cosmetic issue, not one that's going to get exacerbated or more concerning. Um there are some cases where varicose veins can rupture and this could cause complications um like open sores sure. or swelling. Um, and you know, the big thing is at at that juncture, that's where, of course, obviously if we're dealing with edema or fluid retention, Mm -hmm. um, we're having restless leg associated with this as well and difficulty, you know, getting comfortable at sleep time or it's interfering with exercise. This is where then, you know, speaking to a vascular surgeon would be worthwhile and considering a simple procedure to sure. just kind of do away with the dead stuff.
1: Yeah. Um, and, and especially like in the elderly, that's where we get into more of the risk of like the rupture and, and we think of, you know, their tissue integrity kind of degrading over time as well. Um, we covered uh, whether it's the same as spider veins. So not exactly capillary versus Yeah, mm-hmm. Um and, and spider veins don't tend to bulge they just tend to branch again they're mm-hmm. not you know particularly fun to look at i've got some nice purple ones from heaven noah um, on my upper thighs and things but um, not generally a, a big concern either um let's cover some of the solutions um for varicose veins, you know, beyond the the surgical procedures,
2: yes. So actually, using your legs more, even though, again, depending on if you're dealing with pain, if it's just unsightly, using and toning your legs is going to be huge. So the Carolina Vascular Institute recommends uh, preventing varicose veins by performing leg lifts, calf raises. Uh, calf raises, bicycle legs, side lunges to strengthen and stretch. And I really think of Pilates, like all sure. of the yeah. stuff done on the um, rebound bar and all of the foot and leg work, really toning in that area. I feel like the skin around my knees are lifting. Okay. <laughs> that extra knee skin I know that we what get you're once we go above about. 35. Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I feel hmm. like that's an important piece so If my <laughs> knee skin is is lifting that my Leg vessels must be improving sure. as well. Sure, yeah, yeah. Um, but low-impact exercises, even walking, swimming, bicycling could be key as well. Um, and swimming um, would be a really good thing to support that circulation flow with a weightless impact sure. if we're dealing with pain and inflammation during times of exercise. Um, of course, again, weight loss would be key. So, we'll see that time and time again. You know, carrying excess weight is going to put higher amounts of pressure on our vessels. And then, often, when we're carrying higher body weight and unhealthy body fat, we're dealing with inflammation. Um, so, that is going to further exacerbate the issues there. Um, but there is a definite connection between obesity and varicose veins for certain, um, balancing hormones would be a big thing to watch for. So, um, incorporating, especially like adaptogenic compounds, like our adaptogen boost would be a great formula here. We've talked about how the rhodiola and ginseng and cordyceps, are a really good synergy of three compounds that can balance and support HPA access regulation so that the adrenals aren't stealing from your sexual hormones. And also we've seen sexual hormone balance in women and men with the compounds in this formula. So that'd be a really great way to tone and balance Mm -hmm. hormones while having that stress resilience and stress tolerance. And then also when I think of hormones for both women and men, and especially as the other ingredient in the Relax and Regulate um, I think of myo-inositol. Sure. Yeah, um, yeah. So relax and regulate has myo-inositol, um, which is a great uh, balancing compound, kind of a cousin in the B vitamin family that plays a big role with insulin sensitivity. Plays a role with cellular signaling and hormone balance in women and men. But also in the relax and regulate is the magnesium bisglycinate, which magnesium is deficient in so many individuals. And we think of elevated blood pressure and vascular dysfunction as a sign of magnesium deficiency. So that would be probably a pretty strong up there with the, you know, Inflamazyme and the EPA DHA Extra. Um, the Relax and Regulate is a big tool.
1: Yep. And then I think of Braco Detox um, in the world of especially women's hormones um, because we've talked about, you know, the play of excessive estrogen or imbalanced estrogen in, you know, blood clot formation in, um, you know, people that are, are getting varicose veins more often yes. are women um, and during those times of hormone surge as well. So I feel like that would be a really good layering piece, especially if you are going through any kind of hormonal change and that can safely be used postpartum as well. And without
2: testing. Yep. And and yep. you know it's so high as an ORAC or an antioxidant contributor, it would also reduce that oxidative stress and support the detox process. So I think Brocco Detox is a great one. And the other one I would throw in Connected to the adaptogen boost would be GABA calm, mm-hmm. um, because GABA has been shown in so many clinical studies to actually support hypertension, and we know that elevated blood pressure is a primary risk factor with vascular health. Sure.
1: Um, and then in terms of things you can do topically um, to you know reduce um, some of the the pain essential oils, um, specifically yeah. cypress oil, which I haven't ever played with that. Um, but that is supposed to be able to kind of reduce at least the pain and discomfort. Um, and then lavender, um, peppermint, um, which can kind of cool and, and just make the legs feel a little bit lighter, I think would be a good like recommendation too. some of those too. muscle balms and yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: exactly. And so you could probably do also a salve with CBD in sure. there yeah, yeah. Um, as an anti-inflammatory. And then I think of also like almond oil as a carrier for vitamin E sure. for skin and, and vascular integrity as well.
1: Um, and then there are certain herbs as well, kind of getting into that world, um, that can actually help with some of the venous insufficiency, um, and at least the like feeling of heaviness and itching and leg cramping. Um, so bilberry is one of the, um, herbs that's been used really, you know, for a very long time for treatment of, um, varicose veins. We can link a formula, Um, on our Amazon store, we don't have bellberry in our, in our line anywhere. Um, and then horse chestnut is another one, um, that can come in, um, either creams or lotions, teas, or, um, capsule forms to help to reduce the impact of varicose veins.
2: Okay. And then I know I've, I think of butcher's broom as one. So you could do this as a combination, um, butcher's broom around 200 milligrams daily, um, would be one that would help with boosting blood flow, protecting veins and aiding as a natural blood thinner. Um, and then, um, the world of resveratrol would be in the food as medicine family. Are we ready to talk that yet? Or we want to talk routine. Let's hit that. Yeah. yeah. Cause you mentioned that. So routine is going to be in our, um, bioflavonoid blend of our, uh, bio C plus as well as in our inflamasyme and the University of Maryland Medical Center recommends using rutine as a compound that will actually protect the walls of the veins helping them to work better uh, bioflavonoids in general can relieve swelling and aching from the varicose veins and then especially when paired with antioxidants like vitamin C um, our bio C plus added in would be fabulous because we know vitamin C plays a role with collagen synthesis sure, yeah, yeah. and again collagen would be an important consideration because that's going to play a role with the vascular function and the actual structure um, of the vessels themselves. So we've seen compelling literature on collagen and I would also say collagen peptides as a food as medicine add in would be beneficial for that reason.
1: Yes. And the bone broth that we were mentioning in the the opening of of today's episode, Um, let's hit some of the other just kind of general um, dietary you know, principles, um, for vascular health. I feel like this applies to pretty much every condition that we've talked about, like, an anti-inflammatory diet. Just yeah, kind of the absolutely.
2: Point. And I think again of really great timing with the 10-day detox coming on because we think of really focusing on high antioxidant foods and nothing like a 10-day detox to get you in an abundance mindset of getting in all of your various flavonoids. So an abundance of berries um, for the anthocyanins and the vitamin C we're getting there. We're going to get a lot of citrus and using the um, zest of the citrus fruit to get more of those bioflavonoid blends. Um, We're looking at getting vitamin E rich foods in our nuts and seeds. Uh, We're looking at strengthening the veins, um, through getting actual and ample animal protein as well. And that's, what's unique about our 10 day detox is that we actually incorporate for the sulfur containing amino acids, more of a diverse animal protein consumption, including an emphasis of wild caught fish, um, in the middle of your 10 day mm-hmm. detox. Um, so you're getting those omega threes that we referenced as well to support vascular health, but throughout our 10 day detox, although yes, you might be drinking green smoothies, and having avocado pudding and such, you're still going to be able to have a ribeye or a wild-caught piece of salmon um, or scramble some pasture-raised or fry some pasture-raised eggs with some Brussels sprouts. Um, And so it's a really great variety of both high-fiber, plant-based, antioxidant-rich foods, as well as clean protein foods that will support your lean body mass and ensure that you're getting some of these really nutrient-dense B vitamins and compounds like, again, vitamin E and the collagen that will be healthy for the vascular system. Sure. Yes. Really good.
1: Yeah, Really good way to layer pretty much all of these things in. Yeah. And
2: then about. I also think during detox, we focus a lot on natural diuretics. Yes. Yeah. And so, you know, we're looking at a lot of herbs, seasonings, spices. Uh, this is where we would incorporate like celery and asparagus. Um, we in our supplement blend incorporate even things like um, artichoke mm-hmm. and um, milk thistle to really support the liver in the detoxification process. Um, Green tea would be another one that would give us some of that natural diuretic effect. And that's going to reduce the swelling or the fluid retention, which would create that pressure on the vascular system. And then beyond getting that magnesium in the Relax and Regulate, using magnesium rich foods. So we're always emphasizing about two to three cups of leafy greens daily. And then you're going to be getting foods like your avocado, cruciferous vegetables, and um, really a great way to get a variety of flavors. Textures and stay inspired with food as medicine. So, check out the 10 day detox. Even if you can't make the live class, you want to at least get our ebook so that you can do it on your time. And um, that'd be a great way to really support your vascular health as well.
1: Yes. Um, I want to finish out um, this talk of, of different conditions and kind of what we can do um, with Raynaud's syndrome because I know this is something we've both dealt with um, from time to time. Mine is way better since living in Texas and yes. being pregnant. I don't notice it at all. I'm like running, you know five degrees hotter probably all the time Yeah. yeah
2: Yeah, so I especially was symptomatic when I was living in Seattle, yeah, which yeah, is cold, clammy environment. Um, so Raynaud's phenomenon or Raynaud's syndrome or disease um, plays a role with uh, vascular constriction. And um, for individuals that are affected, the small arteries of the fingers and toes um, can actually twitch or cramp. Um, there can be a shutdown of blood supply to the area. So I get like really marbly mm-hmm. um, in my skin or bright ghost white. on my fingertips where there's just no um, circulation, Um, there's actually sometimes even complete loss of sensation or numbness as well in the appendages. And um, they often are seen as an attribution to autoimmune conditions. Um, so we'll often see individuals with Raynaud's conditions having also maybe lupus or rheumatoid arthritis or scleroderma or a positive ANA, antinuclear sure. antibody, um, because there is some underlying mechanisms of autoimmune. Um, and definitely stress plays a big role with Raynaud's. Um, so that's a big um, influence. We see emotional and physical stress causing on its own vasoconstriction and that would induce this Raynaud's phenomenon flare if you will Um, so stress alleviation uh, meditation prayer grounding gratitude any way that we can harness that HPA access and stay in that parasympathetic regulatory mode that's going to help regulate our vascular function as well. Um, Thinking of avoiding cold temperatures, especially in individuals that deal with Raynaud's and if they are in a cold place, making sure that they have thick mittens or extra pairs of socks along um, and they're changing them, especially if getting damp or wet um, using sauna can be very therapeutic yeah. for this population. No, no
1: cold immersion therapy for yes. us, right? You can't get me to do that. <laughs> no, me neither. Um, but yes, worth
2: definitely sauna would be a great thing. As infrared sauna especially um, would be therapeutic. Uh, acupuncture especially if working with moving chi and really getting blood flow a lot of acupuncture and traditional Chinese medicine works with stagnation mm-hmm. and so when they're addressing stagnation they're looking to kick up fluidity or flow in the body so acupuncture and um, a lot of the herbs I'm sure have counterparts in the TCM world sure. um, and I think of a lot of t- traditional Chinese medicine herbs as being blood builders yeah. or vascular yeah. flowers if totally. you will um, so um, and that kind of extends all to warming spices, I would say. Um, like if you ever have done a traditional Chinese herbal remedy, it's often very uh, muddy tasting or very bitter tasting. And you may even consider mixing in things like cinnamon or ginger or cayenne, um, cumin, um, all of these anti-inflammatory warming spices would be great for Raynaud's as well as just vascular health across the board.
1: What's that recipe called? The stress-busting steamer? Yeah. Um, but we just filmed it for YouTube. I'm not sure when that will release um, in live so with good. This podcast, but we also have it on the the blog. I'm just thinking that yeah. would be a good one to like let's bring back into sure. the world. It's
2: awesome. Yes. So it has um a nice kick of cayenne. It has actually a capsule of the adaptogen boost in there. So you're getting adaptogens for the stress resilience. And it's like a kick on eggnog. It has a egg yolk in there. So you're getting all those B vitamins
1: and the omega-3s from there. Um, it's a beautiful beverage. So check that out. Yes. Um, and then in the world of supplementation, um, fish oil would come into play here again. So some research has shown that it can at least be mildly effective, um, in the treatment of, of Raynaud's, um, and then, um, B vitamins, especially niacin I think of.
2: Yeah. Niacin would be that vasodilator. Um, and so we've talked about niacin with helping to support HDL and regulate LDL levels, but also it plays a big role with blood flow and stimulate circulation. Um, so that'd be a big, Player there. So our B-complex could be a great add-in on top of uh, multivitamin. Um, Arginine is one specific amino acid that we haven't really hit on. And um, arginine is the substrate for nitric oxide synthase. Um, And this is required by our vascular endothelial cells um, to actually dilate. Um, And so we know that L-arginine can actually play a role on our vascular response. And um, it can aid in vasodilation, um, creating local warming sensation in the appendages, Um, We see that it can play also a big role in plasma levels of our tissue type plasminogen activator, which also would support prevention of
1: the clotting that would interfere with the blood flow. Okay. And then grass fed whey would be a pretty good source of, of arginine as kind of a food as medicine. Um, did you ever play with arginine supplementation on its own for like when you're having a Reynolds flare? Yeah, mm-hmm.
2: I did. Yes. And it was, it was pretty successful and and was necessary for me when I was out in the Pacific. Sure. Northwest. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I was on, I think two to three grams okay. a day.
1: Yep. And mm-hmm. um, that's what I've seen in, in the literature. And
2: i cool. took that with, um, my omega-3 Yes. the same Time, okay, um, and then just thinking of also herbs that aid in vasodilation. So again, kind of repeating back with the adaptogen boost. Mm-hmm. Um, when we look at in there, the ginseng yeah, yeah, is a yeah, big yeah, for one sure. for a blood yep. flow in the body, and and then I also think of like ginkgo biloba. Um, this is another compound that um, plays a big role with uh, the impact of blood flow. Um, and plays a role specifically on an influence with calcium
1: channel activity in the body. Okay, and we've seen some small studies with, with research on Raynaud's that could be helpful. Um, Ginkgo is the one I think of for cognitive function as well yeah. and, and brain health, so especially for like an elderly parent, that could be a fun one to bring in.
2: Yeah, and I generally, again, would probably start with the adaptogen boost yeah. because you're getting more broad scope impacts. You're getting the blood uh, flow effect of the ginseng there, but then you're also getting that rhodiola and cordyceps. And when you're regulating cortisol and that fight-or-flight stress response, you're regulating your blood pressure by regulating your stress access. And we all know <laughs> that somehow most disease states come back to stress regulation. Right. and Hence all always? of the reason why <laughs> I put out the book, The Anti-Anxiety Diet. Exactly. Um, So hopefully today gave you all some different areas to investigate or dig deeper. Um, We've highlighted all of the supplements discussed, which are over at alimillerrd.com. And we've noted them in the show notes so you can read and learn more about the primary tools for your vascular health. And then if you're looking for a way to jump into food as medicine for vascular health, inflammatory reduction in metabolic health, and really just cleaning up your approach to eating for the summer definitely go on over and check out our live detox class again for just $14.99 you can join the program get the most updated ebook you can watch the two classes at your own time if you don't participate live but it is a great way to stay motivated and with other like-minded individuals all working forward thinking to improve and optimize their health with food as medicine